Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Mike O'Mealy. Mike O'Mealy is a photographer originally from Sydney, Australia, now based in Los Angeles, California, where he spent over two decades documenting some of the world's best skateboarders around the globe for magazines such as Transworld, Skateboarder Magazine, Slap Magazine, Thrasher, as well as working for clients such as Nike, Vans, Converse, Supreme, and Quicksilver, to name a few. Mike is just a photographer whose work I've been looking up to since I was a kid reading skate magazines. Just one of the most influential uh, skate photographers working today. He's been around for a long time and has just documented, like I said, this, some of the, the gnarliest skateboarding and skateboarders out there. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you enjoy it and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, uh, Michael Mealy, uh, how you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. For, uh, thanks for thanks for. Uh... Wait, tell me what this is for again. <laughs> it's the Photo Banter <laughs> Podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I wanted to get the name right before I blew it. Yeah, <laughs> it's all... me on the Photo Banter Podcast. Yeah, yeah. man, I'm fucking hyped to talk. Great to name. You. Yeah, great man. Great name, great name. Yeah, I grew up uh, looking at your photos in Slap Magazine and all the other skate mags. So definitely excited to talk to you. Um, yeah, and cool. I, know, I know talking to you last week you just got back from italy i was kind of curious what you were working on out there uh i've been shooting with uh the kid blondie mccoy a bunch mm. oh it's like pa- and, uh, yeah palace right go on that's that's uh palace right uh well, actually he, don't, he no longer rides for palace as of um, earlier this year like maybe four or five months now so he's going to be launching his own thing. So we're working on something for that together. Um, it's going to be for Adidas, but also there's a special magazine coming out with it. Oh, wow. That's you exciting. Here first. That's exciting, man. So you just kind of flew out there just to work with him kind of individually? Yeah, much? we've been on a couple of trips this year, and he's bringing some friends and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's it's filming for Adidas. He's filming for Adidas Video Pie, which Damn. is coming out end of the year. And, um, yeah, so we're working on some photos to go with that. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. He's... Uh, Super motivated, skating hard. Um, yeah, bringing the good vibes. That's been cool. fun. That's cool, man. Is like the travel because I know, like, looking at your work over like twenty plus years, like you've traveled so much. Is like the travel still like fun and exciting for you? Is um, it st- yeah, I, I would say it is. Um, it, it probably feels a little more tiring now, to be honest. But I still get excited about it, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, it's always nice to go to places that either you've never been before or that you've been and you want to see it, for, or just somewhere that's not you know out of your home out of your regular zone mm. foreign language different food yeah all that kind of stuff uh obviously we're skating different spots but uh yeah man i i try and uh always kind of shoot other bits and pieces when i'm on skate trips just to sort of um i mean i don't get a lot of time to go do that nowadays it seems like on mm. skate trips but uh whether it's just walking around or just trying to go uh see some sites or just in for in a particular neighborhood where a skate spot is i'm always trying to shoot things yeah so uh tra- traveling it's um it's cool it sort of refreshes your eyes and like i don't know i find it really motivating to shoot photos i'm, I'm lucky that i get to do it but yeah for sure um, yeah and like because like you live in la and as you know like the security and everything for skateboarding in la it, it seems like it must is it just get tougher and tougher to be able to kind of shoot skate photos out there or um, it is, uh, I have actually been skating in LA a little more than I normally do this year, but I don't know. I think the type of spots I've been going to, they're probably yeah. less, uh, security type situations and more, you know, spots in the streets or whatever, but, uh, it's still certainly a factor hundred mm. percent. I mean, I don't know if it's gotten worse, maybe leveled off a bit, but mm. yeah, I don't know. It's nothing you can't get around by either like figuring out the shift times or I don't know. Yeah. There's Usually all- the type of spots that have that much security, I'm not that interested in skating them anyway. To be <laughs> I like stuff that's a little bit more like you got to run and gun it before someone besides the security guard comes and tells you. But yeah, whatever, whatever's going, man. Yeah, man, that's it's cool. A, it's a big city in America. It's gonna have security guards. That's just that's just how it is. Yeah, for sure. And I guess to kind of yeah. go back, like, where do you kind of grow up, and like, how do you kind of get into photography initially? Uh, well, I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and. Um, I started taking photos just of some of my friends before I finished high school. As when I finished high school, um, that's when I I did a I got into a bachelor of fine arts degree, but um, majoring in like 
studio arts, which is like printing, mm. drawing, screen printing, that type of thing. And I had to choose uh, one subject from what they call the media arts. So it was either filmmaking or photography. And I chose photography. And uh, just so happened at the time, well, I finished in 91, so in 92, like, Flat Magazine was really starting to come out, Big Brother Magazine. Obviously, you had the classics, Transworld. The photos were, like, unbelievable at the time. And, like, as a teenager in Sydney, Australia, I mean, honestly, like, I was blown away by just, like, the tricks, the ph- photography of, like, people like Spike Jones, Grant mm-hmm. Britton, Tobin Yelland, yeah. Gabe Morford, and, and Daniel Harold Sturt, man. And <clears throat> those were people that just, uh, you know, reading their names in the, in the magazine and looking at the pictures, I was just... <clears throat> I was sorry, excuse me. I, I was obviously just like really inspired by that, and um, yeah, I ended up submitting my photos to a little magazine in Australia at the time, Slam Magazine. It's now still going pretty strong. Yeah, they said their thirty year anniversary. Damn, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, and it was only like a couple of issues a year at that point, but um, yeah, that's really where I got my start w- working with my friend Andrew Curry. Uh, he's a pretty interesting cat, man. He's uh, he was the editor as well as the same time as being a uh, pro for SMA. Mm. And he also ended up turning pro for Silver Star. But yeah, he's a really passionate guy and like pretty like motivated and sort of wise beyond his years to be, he, I think he got asked to be the editor of that magazine at 16 and he was still in high school. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a fortunate set of circumstances in that um, there weren't a lot of shooters in Australia at the time. And I was obviously just really into it. And um, a couple of my friends were sponsored and this and that. And that's, Basically, I started shooting photos and maybe within first six months to a year, I got published. And then not long after that, I, I got a cover photo. So I was hooked from the get-go. Damn. Basically. So, so yeah. sk- skateboarding came before photography for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I started skating probably... I got my first board when I was about six, but I think it was when I was 10, I really got interested in it. And then 12, my 12th birthday is like Back to the Future had just come out and I got a I got a bright pink, pink wheels, pink board, very flexible for my 12th birthday. And... I started building a ramp in my, like a quarter pipe in my driveway. And like, yeah. I probably seen like back, uh, future primitive and stuff. And I uh, cut, um, TSOL summer sessions. That was another one. They, the VHS store by my house only had like a couple of skate videos, but, uh, hundred percent future primitive. Um, you know, the early power ones. And, uh, yeah, I remember those watching those as a kid and then, yeah, just getting hooked. I, I was a uh, vert skater basically. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, cause like how was the skate scene in <clears throat> Australia? Was there like a pretty big scene? Like when you first started skating, was there like, oh, I know there's like a lot of parks uh, it, there it now. And stuff. It, it seemed decent to me, but looking back on it now, compared to what it is now, it, it was nothing. Yeah. There's so many skate parks and, uh, the magazines that do pretty good out there and guys that, uh, sponsored now and stuff but uh you know when you're when you're a kid it's just it's your whole world it's everything you know like obviously we look to america and we're like wow obviously the scene's way bigger over there that real magazines and like mm. companies and stuff but uh yeah we were into it man like me and you know i knew like it was still at the time you almost knew every skater in australia though that's what it felt like yeah on the on the level that we were into it but um yeah it was cool as always um people that were psyched to skate but compared to like what they have now as far as like skate parks and stuff like that yeah <clears throat> it was nothing but australia's uh <clears throat> oh man excuse me no no worries stuff in my throat. um you need to get some water or something uh probably should but i'm upstairs in my office and, uh, <laughs> all the way back in the house no worry about it i was choked to death on the phone <laughs> right now um what was i saying uh yeah there was still a good number of skate parks in australia like I, we felt pretty lucky because you would read about other countries in skate magazines and we're like, man, we've definitely got more skate parks than like say, Oh, I don't know. Like whatever. Australia was just, it had a good amount, a good scene, strong scene, really good vert skaters coming out of Australia. Like mm. us Pappas, uh, Gary Valentine, obviously yeah. like Lee Ralph from New Zealand, but Jason Ellis, you know, yeah. All the way back to those guys, like Jason Ellis, uh, who else? Man, Dom Kekic, like mm. there were, people sponsored in Australia from when I was 12 years old, I was seeing guys go six, eight feet out of the ramp. Like that was normal. Yeah. Was that kind of some of the, some of the first skate photos you started shooting? Was it like vert skating? uh, That was probably, yeah. The first skate photos I actually shot were terrible, (laughs) but they were like holiday snaps. And, um, I I was really good buddies with this guy, Renton Miller, who's like a pretty well known vert skater in Australia. And he was sponsored, I think four times as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so I grew up skating with him and the Pappas brothers and we would see like, um, 
Gary Valentine, Jason Ellis, all these big like fit, like Aussie vert legends. Like they were the older dudes at the ramp and like super intimidating stuff, you know. Yeah. But I was uh, skating with Tuss and Ben and and Renton, and they were all like a bit younger than me, but all like so much better than me. So I was like by default, I was like I was a kid. Like, well, I'm never going to be as good as these guys, but like I could at least take some photos. But one summer I went down, I used to go to down Melbourne, take the bus down for the summer holidays and I would stay with Renton mm. and I took my mum's camera and uh, I have a roll of the photo somewhere, but yeah, they're a terrible photo, like blurry, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Re- really awesomely bad. But, uh, I was not the slightest bit interested in taking skate photos at that point. Those were more just like, Oh, I'm on this just on holidays yeah. skating with my buds. And then probably maybe a year or two after that, is when I really started noticing the photos in the mags and I was street skating more. And then once I, once I went to college and I took photography, that was really when my interest in it kind of simultaneously mm. blossomed with like what was happening in the scene in Australia. And there was just like a good sort of, I don't want to say like a window, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of opportunity for me to sort of hone my craft and good skaters. I, I learned quickly. I jumped straight in the deep end. Basically I, I was, I was shooting like pretty good skaters to learn with. And, uh, yeah, like I was telling you before, the guy Andrew Curry, he was definitely uh, he was already working at the magazine, so mm-hmm. he was basically like, "Don't shoot this from there." Shoot, he was like a hard taskmaster, but he, it was good that he did that. It kind of was like pretty harsh at the time, but yeah, no, it made you set up quick, shoot from the right angles. Like he taught me so much, man. He ba- he basically taught me like more like everything, mm. like all the basic, essential fundamentals about not to, how not to cook it. Maybe, maybe he could have <laughs> taught me a few more things about that, but. <laughs> Certainly yeah. when it came to like taking skate photos and, you know, not putting off the skater and like not getting in the way and like making sure you're on the right side for the trick and like all those really like stuff I kind of had an idea of, but like he really drummed those into me where it was like I became, I would like to think kind of reliable fairly, mm. fairly quickly to the guys I was shooting and that came from him basically. So I have to thank him for that. Yeah, because that's like one interesting aspect of like being a skater. I'm not rambling on too. No, man, this is great stuff. Like, I mean, the thing about like being a skate photographer, like, would you say a large part of like your success is being able to like build these relationships with all these guys? Oh, that's such a great question that you'd ask that because all of it comes from that. Like, you could be technically the most gifted photographer and maybe you have really nice equipment and you do super nice compositions and this kind of stuff. But if you're the type of guy that can't get along with other skaters and like, um, be someone that's trustworthy to them, but also someone that's inspired by their skating and somebody that really wants to go the distance with them to make a good photo. And, you know, you're there with skaters when they're trying really hard and often dangerous tricks sometimes. So you're kind of like, not only you're shooting it, you become, you know, I've driven enough of my friends to the hospital when they've broken their wrist or smacked their face or, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot more to it than just taking the pictures. And at least to the level that I've gone to with it, I think, like, I would say more than 75, 80% comes from just being someone that is seen to be uh, passionate about it and, and enthusiastic. And like, you know, as I said before, it's one thing being technically gifted. I mean, obviously that's a big part of it. Mm. But I think to continue doing it because it is such a, I don't want to say skating's a closed off thing, but it's not just anyone can just walk in at that level and mm. start shooting a pro skater in the way that you could be a basketball photographer and you meet Kobe Bryant. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like skaters, if you're not a skater, then they're not really going to like trust you like that. I think unless you're mad cool, there's been a few photographers over the years that didn't skate so much, but they've been in the scene for years. So mm. to answer your question, it's everything like all those relationships I think is like the complete, I want to say we're not a hundred percent the reason when I got the photos I have, but I'm certainly more than 50% up, you know, like yeah. it's everything. Yeah. Like, cause I would imagine like, cause you're that, like, well, to me, it is, it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I would imagine cause like as any photographer, like you're hungry to get a photo, like you're, you want to be getting like sick photos all the time, but is, is it almost like sometimes you got to be patient with guys. You don't want to push them too much. Because, like, you might have an idea. Is it kind of you just have to be kind of patient and kind of let guys kind of do their thing and then hopefully get a photo? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Some It's all of that because, you know, the, the closest thing I can describe to anyone is asking. I mean, obviously, you skate, so, you know, but it's like fishing. Yeah. Some days the fish are biting and you just got to have your equipment rigged properly and you're going to catch good fish mm. simply. Yep. Other days you've got everything 
everything in order and you're out there and you do it and either the skater ain't landing the trick or security guards kicking you out or the weather goes bad or skaters just not feeling it or any number of other reasons so like but the bottom line is if you're not out there trying to do it you ain't gonna catch nothing <laughs> yeah man so um i guess what the thing about that was is um yeah it's a tricky thing man it's like you do have to have a lot of patience because some days this show up you know just yeah showing up is like 90 percent of it but um you know it goes a lot deeper than that obviously you've got to have some idea of what you're talking about because you know Mm. nobody wants to have a photographer telling you like oh man you've got this for sure and you're looking at a spot it just looks ridiculous or like (laughs) super dangerous so you've got to sort of you've got to know about what's realistic yeah there's so many levels to it other than just like taking the shots i find so yeah especially um, especially it's kind of hard to explain that to a non-skater but obviously mm-hmm. you're asking about that so that's cool because that's a huge part of it it's like um another example like if you're uh, a war photographer you're not getting that pulitzer prize war photo if you're not in there with the guys right mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that like a lot of the times like you know some skate photographers get hit in the face of boards because they're trying to get in and make that epic photo and or, you know, you, you've got to bomb a hill with the guys just to keep up to get to the next spot and you eat shit because your camera bag's twice as heavy as everyone else's backpack <laughs> and you, you split your head open. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different things that you can yeah. go down for the cause, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And, like, when you first kind of working at Slam Magazine, like, what do you kind of yeah. remember about those days? Like, how would it operate? Would they kind of tell you who to shoot with? Uh, or- well, it's basically, it was basically just me and Andrew Curry. Like, we ran things together. Um, he awesome. kind of had an idea of who he wanted in the magazine, but I also did anyway just because we were naturally, like, mm-hmm. curious about our own scene. So I would travel up and down from Sydney to Melbourne. But uh, between he and I, um yeah we would put the magazine together and i just remember doing it with him a lot of fun man it was like our own personal art project and uh we i used to get i think 20 rolls of film to do the whole issue wow. something like that so i had to be super like, obviously i would buy more of my own because mm-hmm. pretty hard to make it make a magazine on just 20 rolls but that was the budget and we kind of showed them man that we could do it and uh yeah this is at a time when that magazine only came out four times a year like now i think it's uh does really quite well and it's like successful and but yeah man this is the early 90s like i'm talking 92 93 where there was like not a lot of advertising not a lot of money in skateboarding so yeah we really just got in at a time where you know i wasn't doing anything else i didn't have a regular job i was trying to do uni at the same university at the same time yeah and uh yeah we just made it happen man whatever however we could (laughs) Uh, it was ran off the back of the surf publishing company. Got it. So they had a, li- a little bit of money, but um, yeah, it wasn't like a huge circulation or anything like that. But yeah, it was a magazine and I got paid like, I think 75 bucks in my first full page photo and I was 19. Damn, you're pumped. And I was like, man, this is cool. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going back to college and yeah. I ain't really trying, I'm trying to do this. Well, there's that many pages. You know, like, to be fair, I lived at my parents' house until I was probably 23 or 24. Yeah. So I wasn't making money, but I wasn't paying rent either. So they were cool about it. And they let me have a dark room at the house and stuff. And Wow. So, you know, I wasn't like, I was I was just, you know, doing something that I loved. So I was really lucky in that respect, you know. So. And, like, when like when did, did you always kind of envision yourself moving to the U.S.? Or when did that kind of come in the picture for I you? I mean, I guess it just sort of, I didn't really picture living there as like living there it was more about the dream itself Mm. um and it didn't come till much later when i sort of met uh i met quite a few people after coming over here for a few times like i met grant britain at transworld and dave swift and i met tobin in san francisco he was cool he let me stay at his house wow and uh and i met gabe morford and then i met lance stores out in australia he came on a DC tour and then we just kept in touch, man. I just, for whatever reason, he was a super cool guy and we just hit it off. And I think he's also from a small town. So looking back on it now, he was probably like, I don't know. I sent some photos into him and he did a little scene report on, uh, on Australia. And that was in like 92 and flat. And I've been shooting maybe six months at that point. Damn. So, you know, for a kid that's been shooting six months, you get a real, like you get buzzed off that. Do you know what I mean? Like, wow, somebody actually cares or like Hell yeah. somebody's paying attention to what we're doing. And, 
that really motivated me to try harder and get the photos better and then send more photos in. So um, from about 1994, I first came to the States and then all the way through to about 97, I just kept in touch with those guys. And, and mind you, once I kept in touch, this is via mail, maybe a fax every once in a while and once in a blue moon, maybe a long distance phone call. You know, this is not like, like it is emails. Yeah, yeah. So it was like keeping in touch was like via mail and I would send packages of photos to uh, Trandall and to Slap. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for whatever reason, me and Lance just kind of hit it off and uh, I was shooting a bunch of stuff for him and eventually he's like, hey, why don't you come over here and like, you want to work for us? And I was like, yeah, shit, man. Like, wow. yeah, I, I think I do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. Like, obviously, like, I was like, so up for that. And uh, then I had to learn about getting work visa and all that kind of thing. It wasn't just like I snapped my fingers and mm-hmm. it's actually kind of tough to be fair, but again, just chasing the dream. So that kind of stuff just was like, and like slap and slap magazine a means to an end exactly yeah Yeah, and it's like slap magazine it's in terms of like photography it seems like they always kind of let photographers be like really creative and they can i I always yeah more i loved all the magazines thrasher and slap were like my favorite um Uh was slap a magazine you you were kind of looking at a lot back in the day oh good 100 percent. that was the one for us i mean obviously transworld was like Mm -hmm. mega because the stirt photos the spike jones photos the tobin photos yeah of grant grant britain photos and you know even playback like all those guys were like slap just had something about it whether it's like the way they ran the photos the way the articles were the music articles um articles about hip-hop and like graffiti and just you know so many different covers they would do just like a a full blue cover of just like your base plate Mm -hmm. where your board goes yeah or like you know billy valdez portrait or like a pepe martinez portrait and just like they were just doing cool artistic stuff yeah and they were just ahead of the game in that respect i think like transworld was nice it was great but like they weren't on this level and mm. it was like, just a different level and like you know i was into the beastie boys i was into sepultura we saw slayer in australia mm. um a lot of the same stuff that i was seeing in slap and stuff i'd never heard of that was really cool it was like super informative but also definitely inspiring the way the skate photography and layouts were like yeah it, it was just on another level i feel like and like slap was always part of like high speed and thrasher right yeah it was all under- yeah that was like thrasher's little baby brother basically that's like the way lance explained it to me is that he was given a chance to make a mag and then it's just shone man and he, they they kind of got shocked i think yeah. how much of a good job he did of it like <laughs> that magazine was well renowned like i think it's on a level of like what the face or id was to like mm. you know like music and art culture to as far as like a young people's magazine yep. that had like fantastic layout or even a ray gun like slap had something of all the best of those magazines mm-hmm. but it was for skating which was the coolest thing you know skating is the best thing ever yeah and it made it, it it was great because it made skating seem as awesome as it was but it was weaved into this other fabric of like um hip-hop heavy metal punk rock mm. you know bad brain stella funker homo sapien bc boys mm. but then you're going to mix that in with like some slayer and then it was just everything that was going on at the time that like i, I was interested in for sure yeah and yeah, it was just, uh, it was good, man. I feel like a real honor and privilege to even look back now. It's kind of a trip to even be associated with it. Like, Hell yeah, man. It's amazing. Magazine. I feel like I came in a little bit at the tail end of those glory years, like, mm. but whatever. I'm, I was I was still honored to like try and carry that torch, basically. So when you came to the U.S., were you living in California or where were you kind no, of? No, I actually, I actually moved us. When I first visited, I visited California, but. When I first moved here to like stay here permanently, I moved to New York City. Wow! And that was in um, May of 1998. What made? Because most people, I would imagine, when they think of like moving to the states, shit. Even me, I grew up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I always, I always thought because like, I looked at all these skate magazines, I was like, I gotta get to California. I gotta get to California. What, what kind yeah, of? Yeah. Well, made- to be to be fair, like as a kid from Australia, like we would look at the photos from California, and they were kind of look real like not super similar to the ones in australia but like yeah australia is quite similar to california at least where i'm from mm-hmm. but we were more into the photos that from new york because the grit uh, S- sydney yeah the grit exactly that's the word uh sydney has a cool downtown and but it's also by a beautiful beach so it kind of has a little bit of that cali vibe but we were just more into the grit like i like me and my friends like all the guys are scared with we were definitely like I mean, into 94, 95, we like stereo skateboards, but then New York, 
um, you know, my favorite skaters are like Huff, mm-hmm. and I got to meet him out in Australia in 94. He was out there on a tour, and he was like, hey, have you ever come to New York? Like, actually, sorry, he was there in 95. Wow. Um, yeah, and I first went through New York in 1997 on a Zero tour, and uh, Huff actually met up with me and took me around skating for the day, and yeah, it was awesome, man. I got to shoot a center spread of Transvaal for him. He took me to Ray's Pizza, took me to Supreme Damn. back then. And uh, I got this one neat picture of him getting towed by a taxi down Broadway. And yeah, so that just really opened my eyes as well as to like, you know, what skating is like in, in a really big city. Yep. And so when the time came to like move, like I was talking to Lance and I was just into that whole kind of East Coast, mm. you know, mentality, aesthetic, call it whatever you want. Like, you know, Wu-Tang, mm. all of that. <laughs> so, uh, you know. When I was when I got opportunity to um, work for Slap, that's what I that's what I wanted to do, and they didn't really have too many people living out there, so mm. it just seemed like I don't know. It was cool having Huff say like, "Hey, if you ever come to New York, like just you know, give a shout." And like they, those guys really took me under their wing as far as like, put, like they put me in the right direction with a place to stay. Mm. Um, uh, Chris Keith and Jones Keith, so you know, they invite me over to their house and stuff. Like they were really they really like had a lot of like. They're just really decent people, you know. That's amazing. Um, who were some of the? Yeah, uh, I mean, who were some of like the other skaters you were uh, shooting with when you first uh, kind of got? I to definitely New York? was skating a lot with uh, Tino Razo. He was with my little crew. Was Tino Razo, Kenny Reed a lot. Um, Jake Rupp would come through. Serge mm. Janowski lived down the street for a little bit, but uh, Bobby was Pulio was somebody I used to skate with a lot. Uh, who else? Aaron Susky would come through. Wow. Uh. Yeah, just a lot of heads that would hang out supreme, like different crews sort of every week. But those are some of the regulars. Like if I look back through my photos, mm. oh, Rodney Torres is another one. Oh yeah. Um, who else? Who else? Ben Liversedge. Uh, as I said, the Chris Keith and Jones Keith, the Keith brothers, Keenan Milton a little bit. Wow. He was probably more, more in Cali by the time I was living in New York. But I got to know him a little bit later, but mm. definitely skated with him a few times. Um, Huff, obviously. Yeah, that was that was kind of a lot of the people. Though. Peter BC, another one. Oh yeah, man, legend. Yeah. All the he- all the heavy hitters. That was like a good era of New York skateboarding. Yeah, like, man, I was really lucky. Mike Hernandez, another one. Um, yeah, lots of people, man. I'm, I'll have to like sit and think because there's definitely lots. Um, yeah, and all the kids that rode for Infamous, like Gio Moya, and who else? Yeah. Um, how, then, like, how long did you end up uh, working with Slap for? Because I know you kind of... Uh, I worked with Slap from about 98 till about 2000, which was really only a short time. Mm. Um, and then just coincidentally, I ran into Aaron Mazo when I was out in um, Los Angeles, and he had been working at Skateboarder Mag, yeah. where he had just sort of started at that point. Yeah, and he sort of hinted, like, hey, you know, like, how is it with Slap? And I was like, yeah, it was cool. Like, but Lance had moved from SF to Los Angeles, Lance Doors, and... I don't know, I feel like the staff was kind of changing and whatever, whatever. It was not going badly, but um, I don't know, Mazer was just like, got chatting to me and uh, I had liked what they were doing at Skateboarder, like mm-hmm. as far as like the layouts and stuff. And uh, yeah, he basically was just like, hey, look, if you ever, you know, if, if, you, if you're down to work for us, we'd love to have you kind of thing. I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm with these guys now, but whatever. And then maybe a couple of months went by and then, I don't know really what like sealed the deal, but I remember running into Mazer a few more times and I was just kind of buzzed on what they were doing. And yeah, uh, he was able to like get me a work visa and all that kind of jazz. So I ended up flying up to a uh, high speed to tell Fausto, basically he was quite an intimidating guy that Fast, I was going to leave. Anybody listening, Fausto Vitello, the founder of Thrasher. Yeah, Fausto Vitello. Yeah. Yeah. Independent. So, uh, I had met him earlier and, uh, He's a pretty intimidating guy. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But no, I had a lot of respect for him, obviously. But yeah, um, I was going up there expecting to get like certainly chewed out, hopefully not beaten up or whatever. But yeah. I just sort of do the right thing and go let him know face to face that I was thankful for the opportunity. But Damn. I was going to pursue something else. And I walked into basically his office area, but he wasn't in that day. And then Phelps just greeted me at the door. He's like, so you're going to work for skateboard, huh? <laughs> Yeah, like he had somehow already knew. I guess maybe Major and him had been chatting because they're pretty close. But whatever, he was mad cool about it. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, it's cool you came up. Like all the best. Like whatever. He, he didn't really go on on and on about it, but Damn he man. was not a dick. He was not a dick to me about it. He was he was just respectful and like. Damn. But like, that's cool. Major's a good guy. Hope it works out. Like you guys, are cool. Yeah. 
no, whatever. That's amazing. <laughs> he was pretty clicked about it, but yeah, like Lance Lance Dawes wasn't. He was kind of. I think he might have even been working as the indie team manager by then, or thereabouts, or yeah, something else. But uh, yeah, so I, yeah, and then I just went um, worked from for skateboarder from like 2000 to around 2004. And that was. Uh, and, uh, were you still kind of living in New York, or are you kind of in California? Uh, kind of, yeah. Like within that time, I basically moved to to California about. Mm. 2002 or three, but I kept going back and forth for that whole of, till about 2004. So I had like, I was splitting a room in New York. Oh, yeah. so you know, like paying for my room in New York, and I, I was splitting an apartment out here, but it's super cheap. So mm. I, was, I think I was paying like 400 bucks a month in New York, maybe to keep my room, and maybe 250 out here in LA. Yeah, yeah, because so, skateboarder was pretty. Uh, you guys had a good team of photographers. I don't know who I know. Yeah, man. Ben Colin, uh, Oliver Barton. Ben Colin, Oliver Barton, and uh, Mike Ballard was there for a bit. And uh, I think Reda. Yeah, a bunch of good people. Yeah, Reda was shooting, and uh, we would get photos from Sturt, Spike. Like, yeah, it was really. Uh, yeah, man, I got the same buzz from that. Honestly, like, I felt like it became a new, like, it sort of carried on the torch from Slap as far as like interesting ideas great layout super good photography like charismatic interviews with people that you want to read like cool conceptual ideas um yeah mesa was mesa was on it man um it was a pleasure to work with him yeah and for, for a couple of years there do you remember like the first tour you went on like as when you became like a i guess like a full-time like skate photographer could have been a slap uh, you kind well, of... well the first tour in the u.s for sure i can remember because i landed in new york city Got to my apartment and with all my bags and stuff, I had to carry it up six flights stairs. Me and Andrew Curry and my roommate at the time was this, or the girl that I was sharing the apartment with was Catherine Lyons. Um, she used to do rookie skateboards. Oh yeah. Anyway, she was bar back. She was bartending the night, so she didn't get home for like maybe two or three. <laughs> and we were sitting on the stoop with all like all my camera equipment, all my like worldly possessions basically. Yeah. So she like uh, for whatever reason there was like some mixed up about the keys or who's going to let me in or something like that. I don't know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so we basically dropped the stuff in the room, tried to get some food, and then me and Andrew left the very next day on a Silver Star East Coast tour. Wow. We like Rick, Ricky Oyola, Serge Janowski, Jesse Fritch, uh, Jim Mensa, uh, probably forgetting somebody here. Oh, AJ Mazu. Damn. That must have been pretty exci- yeah, so, uh, exciting yeah, time so that, for you. That was my first. Like, I definitely went on skate tours in Australia with a bunch of, like, my friends but then also like um visiting u.s pros and stuff yeah um and that was the first one in the states still start to east coast when we went to new orleans we went to uh texas and we kind of did like a hook down from from philly basically all the way down the east coast yeah and you know one thing i was kind of curious about um like 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 myself like i grew up uh started off shooting with film and mm-hmm. you obviously start with film. Um, I was kind of curious, like, do you feel like it was kind of an advantage um, learning on film? Um, do you still shoot on film now at all? or what's? what's I mean, the easiest answer to that question, I don't know if it was an advantage, but there was no other way. So yeah, true. I, can't, I can't really answer that and say it was an advantage or a disadvantage because there wasn't the option to learn true. any other way other than doing that. So I think it's just a different, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I feel grateful that to be able to know how to shoot on digital now but uh it's a it's a different can of worms man it's like mm. you have to wait especially with skating because chrome you know if you if you're in a studio shoot as a photographer you can do polaroids and this type of thing but when you start out skating um you're shooting 35 mil mostly and you're on the run you know a lot of on the run a lot of time from security guards and you send up flashes and you always well you know Ideally, more often than not, you're in some kind of precarious situation and it makes it really exciting because uh, some people don't like that. But like if everything works, like all your flashes popped off and you expose the photo properly or yep. skater made the trick or it's really like, man, if you get a nice photo back when you got the trick perfect, there's, I, honestly, till, still to this day, I'm 45 years of age and there's no better feeling. They can't beat that feeling ever. Wow. And like waiting outside the lab for something that's so gnarly and you know it's like cover worthy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if many other photographers like get to experience that because it's like you're shooting photojournalism in that maybe you're shooting something that's happened for the first time. You try and shoot artistically in a creative way that's going to be appealing to skaters and photographers alike. And on top of that, um, you're exposing it on film. So if you don't get it, then 
you're the one you're the only one that has any proof that whether it happened or not you know unless there was a video camera there but in the very early early days of me shooting there wasn't always a video camera there like yeah so you were really reporting things happening for the first time so it's really a different world back then in terms of like what it meant to deliver those tricks to the to the page of magazine for the first time you know like it, it was really like there's some kind of like levity to that like a heaviness then like um yeah, it's like a I don't real, even know how to say it. It's like, like a, it's you know, like a, it's like a real process because like, yeah, it's a process, but also I'm just saying the historical factor of it. That, true. Like if you if you're the photographer, the one responsible for co- recording mm-hmm. a certain trick happening for the first time or a certain spot that's been there in that city that everyone knows and people walk past it and somebody finally jumped on it or something like that. Yeah. And you've got that on film. It's like you have this evidence. Do you know? Do you understand what I mean? It's like you have this like historical document of yeah, something. It's, it's one of one awesome that happened. Yeah. So to have that on film, I think carries a different weight to it than shooting that on a digital camera, where it's going to be on a file and then on a hard drive, and then mm. you see what I'm saying? Because then once you take the film to the lab, then the lab could possibly like mess it up, or yeah. there's a lot of lot more room for error in shooting on film. But then often that's why the result is can feel so much more rewarding. I think. For sure, and do but you, as I said, there was no other option back then. So. Yeah, that's all you had. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. is film any? Do you still shoot film at all? At all these days? Uh, occasionally, you... I wouldn't say I really have shot any skating with film in two in very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really sort of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to. I feel like it's more of a gimmick at this point. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds ridiculous because it is. It's amazing to shoot a skateboard on film, but mm. for me, it's just kind of got a little more expensive. And to be perfectly honest, I was spoiled in that I got to shoot free film for a better part of twenty years. Man, it's hard to go and justify the prices that they're charging now. So yeah, you could just call you could call me spoiled in that department. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, I don't know. I've shot enough gnarly skateboarding in my time on film. I don't need to prove yep. to anything to anyone whether it's film or digital. Like it doesn't really like. Yeah. It's not. It's not the same equation to me anymore. You know, if if you want to shoot on film nowadays, by all means, go ahead. But I'm not going to think any less of you if you shoot mm-hmm. a good photo on digital, a good photo, a good photo. You know. Yeah, it's all about light and composition of whatever. Yeah, well, what, whatever it is, if if the photo is appealing, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, certainly if somebody shoots a real gnarly photo on film nowadays, it's going to catch my attention in a different way. Yeah, but. I don't know. It's a different era. You can't look back, I think, because yeah. there was no other option back then. So any photo then, I think all the classic photos that I look back on, like they just hold a different, um, different heaviness to them. I think they're, they're just like, yeah. When I, I think that's not to say that I don't appreciate people's photography now. I, I totally do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's just a different era, man. Different era. Yeah. It's really kind of interesting to see like skate photography from like, even like progression, like looking at some of your older photos, it's, it looks like it's like 35 millimeter, maybe some on camera flash. And then I know like in the early 2000s, like when I was kind of like growing up, it was like dudes were going crazy for a while. It was like Hasselblad, Fisheye. Dudes had like pro, sure. pro photo packs out there. Like I feel like yeah. the early 2000s, people were kind of going bonkers with gear. Would you kind of agree? Um, I would 100% agree. Um, people were going bonkers, but I think what happened with, you know, uh, simultaneously again, that era magazines were at their peak, like 400 pages. So the budgets were bigger. People were able to shoot film and experiment. And then with film comes medium, you know, large format film, medium format film. And that requires a whole different set of like lighting to do it properly. But yeah, going bonkers. But, um, uh, was it necessarily better? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it was just interesting. It was always kind of creative. I remember, like, first time I saw, like, uh, Scott Palmier, that uh, photographer up in Canada. He was, like, shooting 4 right. by, four by 5 and it was just interesting to see everyone kind of doing their different thing. Um, but, yeah, it's just... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Daniel Harold Sert shot 4 by 5 like, easily 10 years before that guy did. True. I think he just made a thing of it. Yeah. Uh, Scott did, where he's, like, Sturt would turn in a photo randomly and you're like, you know, this is certainly myself. I was like, what even format is, what format is that? <laughs> like, whereas I think Scott made, made a point of like, oh, I'm shooting this on a form. I don't know. It was just different. I think he was, yeah, it was just diff- different era, but to my mind, like 
when you you're talking camera mm-hmm. techniques and like there's no one who's really ever matched or or bettered what um Sturt did in the early 90s cuz he did a lot of those techniques he just didn't mm. I don't know pe- they just became trends kind of yeah that his, makes any sense. his yeah. no for sure like his photos really stuck out because they were this like simple yeah. not simple's not the right word but it was like less Yeah and look that's just my personal taste like yeah. I'm not saying that he's yeah. better than all the other guys i just think for some reason yeah he just had a bit more mystery to him and that's what i found most appealing about it you know like no definitely um yeah and anyway uh, i'm 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 minusing you 20 years right there you were talking about early 2000s and <laughs> I, I jumped back again to the early 90s nah dude that's good years, sorry i love years, it sorry. i love it man um and you know one thing i always kind of appreciated about your photography people should study his photos that's what i think yeah i I was trying a lot of guys that a lot of guys that's shooting nowadays that that you know he's done a lot of everything what everyone did and i I feel like he did it better yeah no that's just my personal opinion he's amazing i gotta track that guy down um yeah you know one thing i always kind of appreciated about your photography is obviously you're really well known for your skateboarding photography the action and stuff but i've always really appreciated like your portraiture and you're kind of like um more like photojournalistic photos of like might be you on a trip with the guys this kind of they could be hanging out or whatever this kind of day-to-day um have you always kind of had the foresight to kind of shoot all those like moments in between Uh, or did you kind of you know i have not always had the foresight i wish looking back on my early photos when i first started shooting i wish i'd shot more of that Mm. um i don't regret not doing it because I was young and I was so focused on learning how to shoot the tricks that I maybe probably overlooked a lot of really like, um, I don't know, just good moments of like my friends hanging out, but you never know, man. But as I've gotten older and I've learned to appreciate journalism more and just meeting different people like Greg Hunt, he's a great documenter of just people hanging out. And like, you know, a lot of the times they're really calm moments. There's not a lot happening Mm. and, but as you look back over the photos over the years, like, oh, there's Dylan hanging out next to Lewis Marnell, hanging out next to Shane Koss. And, you know, now they're all passed away. So yep. certain photos take on different meaning. Um, but, yeah, as, you know, just meeting different other skate photographers that had other interests in photography. And then also finally sort of maybe having some kind of awakening that it's more about just the skating myself. And then, yeah, but uh, I probably wish I'd shot a little more of that when I was, I first moved to New York mm. and even when I first started out shooting in Australia, but I can't regret it. It's just something that yeah. my, my vision of what skateboarding is and what it's about has, I guess it maybe blossomed over time other than just tricks. Like I, I think once I started, uh, you know, towards the end of me living in New York or really honestly, when I started working for Ailing workshop a little bit more, I started shooting a lot more of that kind of stuff and working for skateboarder more, mm. I think. Was that more because they were, um, were were they asking for it or like there's kind of um I'm not sure they maybe not specifically but there was just an understanding that they would use those types of photos mm. and I think my mind's eye just started opening up to like I was in deeper areas of Brooklyn and just the scenery was starting to be interesting to me as well as a combination of these guys being in it so I would just shoot more stuff of them just hanging around like by fire hydrants or whatever. Mm as something that was visually interesting rather than just, you know, pushing down the street, that kind of thing. And that kind of became a bit of a trend for a while. But one case in point is that photo I have of uh, Papalotto's walking uh, away from towards the camera. And there's like, uh, we were in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in East Williamsburg, it's like a Hasidic neighborhood. Yeah. And so Papalotto's walking towards the camera and there's like a Hasidic guy walking away from the camera. And Papalotto's wearing, wearing like a Peruvian beanie that has a sort of, long strings coming down over the ears but Hasidic guy has his hair curled in that fashion which is the tradition and mm. to me that's a really cool picture because it's like the two cultures walking in opposite directions but the there's like one similarity that joins them well too they're both walking mm. but the tassels coming off the ears and I don't know, it's just like a, you know, a nice cultural sort of juxtaposition I guess composition or even like mm. confrontation in a way so I think just as I started learning a bit more about like different parts of the world, I, I became a bit more tuned into that sort of stuff. And like certainly going to Egypt, places like that, like yeah. seeing Brian Anderson stand next to a bunch of guys in Egyptian military gear or the traditional Egyptian, you know, it's a, call it Jalaba, like a floor length 
uh, dress that the men wear over their, their pants, basically. Things like that where you're just like, oh, this looks interesting, you know? So um, it took me a few years, I would think, to start really focusing on that. But certainly when I moved to New York, I was more... Yeah. My eyes were wider open to that kind of stuff, but um, and we we have again. I'm rambling, but uh, nah, yeah, I wish good. I would shot more of it actually. And were there like Looking any? Back. Were you paying attention to any like photographers' work like outside of skateboarding? Were you ever kind of? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like that was as soon as I started going to college, I I became influenced by. I learned about the Magnum Photo Agency, like yeah. Henry Omri Cartier Bresson, Robert Kappa. Yep. And later on, I learned about more other wall photographers like James Nathway and Don McCullen, mm. but also other photojournalists and like Diane Arbus and Annie Leibovitz, like Mark Seliger, uh, Richard Avedon, oh, yeah. Irving Penn. Legends. Yeah, just studying really the masters of photography, like living in New York and being able to go see exhibitions and stuff and like yeah, just obviously soaking in that influence, like probably imitating a lot of it to be fair, but I mean, that's how anyone learns really, mm. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it's like, hard to really be original in photography in this day and age. Yeah, it's all been done before. Uh, yeah, but like that's one thing I was I was curious because I have like always have a lot of respect for people that like really c commit themselves to like not that all you do is shoot skateboarding. Obviously, you shoot some really mm -hmm. cool projects as well besides skating. But for someone to dedicate so much of their life to one subject, like not many people do that. Like, how do you yeah. how do you like continually like make it interesting for yourself like like it, um, is it this trying well thing? the one thing i the one thing i've told myself over the years is by trying other stuff you can come back to skateboarding with fresh eyes and then hopefully skateboarding influences well actually it's not hopefully it's without any doubt skateboarding shooting skateboarding influences the way you shoot other types of photography but mm. i think to be a well-rounded photographer you've got to shoot a lot of different things um and having said that I'll call myself a skateboarding photographer, but within that I shoot portraits. I try and shoot, yeah. you know, photo reportage, like photojournalism. Mm. Uh, it's not just tricks and maneuvers, but um, having said that, I've been really lucky to shoot some cool projects outside of skateboarding. And uh, yeah, um, I couldn't say that one of those directly influences the other, but I'm sure just being, having the opportunity to go and shoot something different. Um, it's just a great opportunity within itself, whether it influences your work, who can really say but um yeah i think any opportunity i've got as a photographer has come because i'm a skateboarding photographer for sure yeah and, like one, and there's and there's like, no two ways about that <laughs> yeah and like one project i was really excited i'm to proud to say it <laughs> yeah man fuck yeah skateboarding is yeah. the fucking best and yeah. I, you got a really cool project on your website it was it's i think it's called like uh -huh. it was a, a project you did on a mining um oh yeah yeah that was um Definitely one of the most interesting, exciting, and scary things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, it ca came about, I did a presentation in Sydney at this, uh, it's like a, basically a design sort of festival called Semi-Permanent. Mm. And uh, after the conference, this lady came up to me and she was a uh, partner at a graphic design firm in Melbourne. And they were bidding to do an annual report for a zinc mining company. So... You know, they put together a booklet for the shareholders and includes all the facts and figures, but also photography about, like, you know, what's going on in the mine and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, they commissioned me to do it. We won the bid against a bunch of other photographers. Um, I guess they liked the way I shot yeah. photos and portraits and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it was really super interesting, man. Um, I've really still been hoping to try and do more stuff like that um, since because, uh, yeah, it was just taking your skills into a domain that, you know, I wouldn't otherwise really picture myself doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fascinating. I went 12 and a half miles underground. I got seriously claustrophobic, like had a mild panic attack. <laughs> um, had to slap myself in the face in the back of a truck because we were going down and all my camera equipment was fogging up. And yeah. anyway, long story, but yeah, it, it was exhilarating. Once I got, got it all finished, it was really... Uh, yeah. yeah, it was cool, and it paid well, too, so that was, that was cool. <laughs> that, that's um, good, man. Uh, yeah, it was just the challenge of it, I think, was the most rewarding part. Like, obviously, it was nice to get a bit of extra dough, mm. but, uh, yeah, I never knew what how zinc was even extracted from the ground before that. So, in addition to, like, photographing under these conditions, like, 75% humidity and about 55 degrees Celsius, so that's about mm. 120 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. 
hot, you know, like, and I'm trying to shoot on a Hasselblad and I'm sweating into the camera and like, yeah, it was real. I just earned like a total, obviously new respect for people that work in those type of conditions and jobs and just my one small glimpse for a couple of days, mm-hmm. I learned so much, you know, so that was really like fascinating and that was when I was really like, man, being a photographer is a pretty sweet gig. Hell yeah, cause was, you never know what, yeah, you, what, was, what you can get thrown in. Cause yeah, I, and I was trip, I was I was tripping because I was like, how did I end up shooting my friends jumping downstairs and handrails <laughs> to moon to America? And then now I'm in a, a zinc mine in Tasmania, 12 and a half kilometers underground. Yeah. Uh, it's a trip, man. It's a trip. So, you know, it's it really cool. Yeah. And with a job like that, was it just you or did you have like an assistant or like how did you? Uh, it's actually just me. I probably should have or could have taken an assistant, but I never use an assistant in all my years of shooting skating. Yep. Maybe a, fr- a friend occasionally to hold a tripod to make sure it doesn't, a board doesn't knock it over. But that's awesome. Yeah. That's the nature of skating. Like we never, you just, you makes you really like, um, self-sufficient, I think, and independently minded when it comes to photography. Like, mm. Nowadays, I'd love to have somebody carry my gear around, but <laughs> I don't think it, there's not too many budgets around to pay for that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool, man. I didn't take tons of gear down in the mine, but uh, it was really just interesting and like, yeah, it was cool. I would do it again for sure, hundred percent. No, it was amazing. And um, a few more questions, I'll let you go. Uh, sure. Yeah. No worries. And you know, like being a skate photographer, like you get thrown into these situations where you might be in a van of guys and you're trying to like create photos because you need to do an article or the company needs needs ads do you ever feel like a sense of like is it your job to help motivate these guys or do you kind of just sit back and let things unfold or how do you kind of approach these things i guess um well that's funny because you kind of there's two different ways of doing it there's definitely you can be a vocal sort of motivator and show the guys that you're psyched Mm. but it's also a fine line with you know, if you get too much in that, you know, maybe you start annoying people and you're pushing them too hard and everyone's like sick of the sound of your voice or yeah. they feel in the pressure that you're feeling that they want to skate just for an article. So it's a real, there's no, it's like weird science, man. There's no right or wrong way to do it other than you have to keep going and just be as agreeable as possible. And like, mm. I'm probably not the most, or, you know, in over the years, I've maybe not been the most mellow of motivators i'm certainly get vocal and like but i think when things are going well people really appreciate that when things aren't going well you know maybe i could have been more the, the shy retiring type and i don't know that's just not me but yeah. nowadays i feel like i can probably be a bit more like that because uh i don't know i have two kids of my own and you mm-hmm. know you start to realize that yelling at people is like <laughs> not- yeah, I don't know. No one wants to be. It's not always the best technique. You know? Yeah, man. Well, you know, you're yelling at them when you're psyched as well. It's not always <laughs> yelling at them in a negative way. Like you're cheering them on as well. So there's this, it's a you know, double-edged sword really. But mm. I think it's every, every photographer has his own path to walk in that respect, in that you're only as good as your own reputation basically. And mm. so, you know, I've certainly, uh, made one for myself maybe not always the most ideal but i've made it this far so uh yeah you know you ever feel like because you've shot in some pretty fucking gnarly stuff like like one photo i always sticks out in my mind you, you photograph shane cross um nose grinding el toro uh sure are you ever like in these situations where these guys are doing like crazy yeah. stuff are you like nervous for them like oh man so nervous yeah. nervous for them nervous for me myself um mm. yeah that particular one is a good story which i've told many times but happy to tell you as well yeah. um so we went there i got a call last minute to go shoot that i think maybe they wanted to shoot it for thrasher and someone wasn't available i can't really remember but i got a call at about maybe eight or nine at night like hey can you come down i was in los angeles can you come down to el Toro's probably should i want to say hour and 15 minute drive solid hour drive from my house to get there yeah and uh yeah like shane wants to try something they didn't really say what but uh so he's warming up, we get the generator, the lights out, get all the flashes set up and everything. So 50-50s at first try. Damn. Yeah, cool, I shoot a Polaroid. Does it a couple more times, then he, he smith grinds it. And like at the time he was writing for Matt Mumford's company, Legacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's right. Um, maybe he wasn't quite on flip just yet. Yeah, so he was with Mumford, Mumford filming it. Smith grinds it. Mumford's like, oh man. Because that was Smith Mumford's uh, 
Ender in one of his video parts, and Shane just did it easy, like a warm-up trick, you know? He's like, oh, man, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Smith finds it again. He's talking to Mumford while he's on the road, like, how do you like that, old man? Or something like that. Maybe not those exact words, but he was really cheeky, Shane. He was kind of funny, and they had, like, kind of a cool older brother, younger brother, almost even a father-son relationship. Like, Matt really took him under his wing in the States because he was quite young, I think, when he did that, maybe 17, maybe mm. just 18. Pretty young, I think, because... Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right because I think he was 20 when he passed. And Damn. Yeah, so he would have been 17 or 18 when I shot that photo. Pretty wow. young. Yeah. I went there late at night at the schoolyard, so he's 50-50 there. He's Smith grinder, and then he skates off back down at the top of the stairs all the way to the back of the school, and, like, he didn't really say anything, like, oh, I'm coming back for another trial or whatever. We're just like, oh, is he gone? But we could hear him skating all the way down there doing, like, pop shovels or whatever he was doing, you know, like, seeing yeah. background. Yeah. And we're all just looking at each other like, shit, man, like, what's the deal? Is he coming back? Like, nobody wanted to walk up there and see what he was doing because it was, he was probably a good 50, 100 meters back, you know? Yeah. And everyone was there, so either on a camera or whatever. So, you know, probably a good five or 10 minutes goes past, maybe even longer. He's just skating around up there. And then we just hear him come in, like, up the approach to the handrail. You can sort of hear, he's getting closer. And then, dude, honestly, God, out of the darkness, he popped. First try, nose grind. Flash went off, fortunately. Wow. And one, he just rode, one... away, rode, rode away, and that was that. He did it first try, man. First yeah, try. That's wild. And then I drove down to San Diego that night, stayed at Mumford's house, and went into Transville the next day, and they heard what happened. They're like, oh, let's go get it developed. And I was like, you know what? I've never used this lab down here in San Diego, and I'm, I'm not, not about to start right now. Smart move. So I stayed one more night in San Diego. So that was two nights slept with a film in my pocket and then I drove, drove back up to LA I think would have been on maybe the Thursday or something like that and yeah. I sat outside the lab for two and a half hours oh my god and man when I got that eyepiece and I looked at that photo I was like oh man flash is going off it's sharp focus sharp yeah. I was like I think I jumped out of my skin but I was also like hey, hallelujah <laughs> like I, I nailed it you know like Damn. but that was one of the ones where it was like Man, that was like one try. You ain't gonna ask him to do that again. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah, because yeah. like, has that ever happened to you before? Where you're shooting some gnarly? Well, there was one other time Bob Burnquist did the loop, uh, the natural loop, the first one where he didn't have the ramp running yeah. into it, where he just pumped, and yeah. um, they ended up using the photo as a cover of skateboard. But that one he did the first time that he took the mats out. He he did it first try as well. But I was going to ask, like, have you ever had a... I was kind of like, I was sort of warmed up and ready by then because <laughs> I knew where he was going to do it. And yeah. He's like, all right, I'm taking the mats out right now. I'm going to go for it. But yeah. yeah, he did it. Have you ever had a situation where you fucked up? Like, maybe your equipment didn't work properly and this photo didn't come Has that ever happened? Like, where some guy's try trying some gnarly thing or not really? I mean, I'm only human. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I've probably effed up as many photos as I have I've shot a lot of photos, you know, but maybe I I haven't effed up, I haven't fucked up as many as I've. I think my strike rate's better than one to one. I think you're pretty but good. Mike. Yeah, I think you're pretty good, Mike. <laughs> there's there's been some, trust me. There's been some. I'm not going to name names just yep. for the out of respect to the skater, but yep. I have blown it majorly. Trust me. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And yeah, and you know sometimes what's worse than blowing it completely. Because, you know, I've done all of it, like shot photos with no film in the camera or like it's come back out of focus or whatever. But you know what's sometimes the worst than all of that when you really just fluffed it, like the flash is going off or not going off? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just shoot a photo. It's just not that cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just shot the angle or it's not that exciting or there's just nothing you can do with it sometimes. And it mm -hmm. sucks because mm -hmm. some things just don't translate sometimes or you can't, at the time, you can't think of, the right angle or whatever. It's not always that you blow it. You just shoot something that's just not it, like yeah. uninteresting. I would almost prefer to blow it to be perfectly <laughs> honest, because there's yeah. nothing worse than when some guy does a good trick and you've got the photo and you have a photo of it, but it's like looks flat or you know, yeah. I don't know. No, I feel meat looks nice, but you wouldn't want to survive the rest of your life on it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've definitely messed up a few for sure, but that's all part of the course. And like, it's definitely the one that got away. And with like skate photography now, like I, I think what there's only at least in US, I think Thrasher is Thrasher the last magazine that still prints. I think pretty much, right? Uh, in in the US, yeah, there's plenty of them in Europe and stuff. But oh. um, 
Um, like, where do you where do you? There's see a couple that? in Australia. I don't know. I don't. I haven't really sent. I'm not. I'm, the last couple of years, I've not really been sending a lot of stuff to magazines mm. but for whatever reason. Mm. Um, I made a couple of my own with Palace. That was cool. Yep. Uh, working on this one right now with Blondie. Yep. But uh, yeah, I should send more. But I don't know, man. This is Transworld's kind of died out. Um, I worked for them up until 2015. Yep. And uh, yeah, Thrasher is definitely cool. Um, you know, you get what you get with Thrasher. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not tons of variation in the subject matter, but yeah. I, I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that in the subject matter, but it's always gnarly. There's there's not a lot of room for like more cerebral or creative skating, but that's what that's you know. That's their it thing. is what it is. Yeah, they yeah, gnarly fact, stuff. You know, that's their deal. They've done well on sort of you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So good for them. But the thing I, I was going to ask, like, for, like, someone who wants to become a skate photographer nowadays, like, is there still room for people to, to do this? Like, because, like, like, what, like I mean, what... I think so. Yeah, you got to just got to try extra hard and be extra good, I think. That's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. Um, because if you're a kid that's from a certain scene that nobody's photographing that or representing that, then you got something already right there. Yeah. And it's really up to you what you make of it. I mean, there's right ways and wrong ways to do it, and you can get published in the in the, the big magazines and this and that. But really, at the end of the day, that's, I don't know, it's kind of hard because nobody starts out as a pro photographer shooting for the big-name magazines. Nobody starts that way. So you have to start somewhere. And anyone that asks me that's the best thing you can do is just shoot your friends or just go on a skate trip on your own and take your take photos of yourself yep. bombing hills and make some kind of scenery thing out of it or yep. do something that's just got some kind of like passion and interest to yourself because mm-hmm. if you can't excite yourself about it then how are you going to excite other people that's really mm-hmm. one thing that seems so obvious to say it out loud but a lot of people get that twisted sometimes i think yeah it's just in that um yeah, you got to have a, a certain passion for it, man, to take it beyond just, uh, you know, shooting for Instagram, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I which guess... is what it's come to, which, you know, is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But mm-hmm. there's something special about getting a skate photo in print because, you know, it has a certain, like, validation to it, I think, where people are like, yeah, that's a really good picture or that's a really good trick or a combination of the two. Ideally, that's what a great skate photo has is definitely man combination of those two things and i guess just to kind of like wrap up like what's kind of what keeps you excited about photography and like anything like you're kind of hoping to work on in the future i guess um yeah the small projects maybe shooting other kinds of sports not in a sport photography way but in a sort of photojournalistic way um i made a book about amateur boxing in east la but about 10 years now since i made that and uh yeah, just pursuing those kind of projects, things that I'm interested in, like um, soccer, yep. even basketball, but also just like other photojournalistic projects on, I don't know, things that haven't really come across my path just yet. I'm open to whatever, whatever, whatever comes my way, really. If, I, if it's something that catches my my interest, whether it's a portrait series or traveling somewhere that I've never been to, um, I'm up for anything, man. It's a, It's a great tool to like teach yourself about people places and culture really yeah uh, that's the that's the thing i like best about it yeah it's pretty amazing to look at your work like growing up in australia could you ever imagine like you would travel the world as much as you have because like looking at any like skate photographer has kind of gotten to your level like you've traveled more than most people will travel in 10 lifetimes pretty much yeah i've been really lucky but as you said growing up in australia i could have never imagined doing this man i can't believe uh yeah, I feel super grateful, but then not pressure, but you definitely feel a sense of like, oh, well, what am I going to do next? I've got to keep <laughs> keep it interesting to myself as well as to everybody else. I don't want to keep repeating the same yeah, man. types types of things, you know. Yeah, to keep it. Keep, um, so keep... that that's the real the real test is to keep it interesting for myself, but also for other people. Awesome. Well, uh... that's the that's the biggest test. Definitely. Can I, can I, It'll be interesting for a long time. Definitely, man. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for uh, yeah, take, no problem. taking the time Thanks to do this me. and for years I've always been looking at your photos. And for uh, people listening, where's the best place for them to go check out your work? Uh, definitely check out my website, which is mikeamili.com. 
Perfect. And also my Instagram, I'm posting, try and post fairly regularly, and that's just at Mike O'Mealy. Cool. And, uh, yeah, look out for some stuff coming out with uh, Blondie McCoy, good pal of mine. Nice. Uh, good skater. Cool. And, uh, yeah, just more projects, more stuff in the future. Perfect. I'll link it, and uh, thanks so much, Mike. All right. Nice one. Cheers. Thank you. Later. Later. So there you have it. That was the Mike O'Mealy interview. I just want to thank Mike so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him. Like I said, I've been following his work for years. Grew up uh, looking at his photos in all the skate magazines that I subscribe to, like Slap Magazine and Trans World. Just an amazing photographer who's just dedicated so much of his life to documenting some of the best skateboarding in the world. Um, So I can't thank him enough, like I said. Definitely go check out Mike's website at mikeomealy.com as well as his Instagram, at Michael Mealy. Lots of amazing work up there. He's always updating up on uh, Instagram and whatnot, so definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.